Okay, so welcome back to Good Morning Hockey. The news of the day is Cutter Gauthier is an Anaheim Duck. But we had four games around the National Hockey League last night. Four really good games, I might add, and ten around the league tonight. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit today. We're uh, we're short on time, so we're gonna gonna keep it keep it brief for you all. We got a good day of recording here in the studio, so we'll be we'll be brief with it. How are you doing, Raven? Doing good today. Got some coffee. Yeah. Walked in this absolutely horrid weather, but you know it's day one of this. Thankful it's not really uh, snowing too much. It's a little too warm for it to stick on the ground, but, you know, could be worse. Muggy day around the city, man. Yeah, bad day to start classes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I would not want to get on the train and head downtown for that later tonight. I do not envy you at all, my friend. All right, so we got um, four games, like I said, around the NHL last night. Uh the Stars shut out the Minnesota Wild 4 nothing off the back of a Matt Murray shutout. No, not that Matt Murray, everybody. A different Matt Murray. Um, not the Stanley Cup champion Matt Murray with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the Dallas Stars Matt Murray makes 23 saves, his first NHL shutout. Um, he's an interesting, an interesting uh, player. I watched him... Start some games last season for the Texas Stars against the Wolves, and he's a good goalie. He um, he's from Alberta, and he is just one of those undrafted guys that he played college. I think he played at UMass, um, but good for him to get his first NHL shutout. Also last night, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins defeated the Philadelphia Flyers four to one, and. I don't know that I have ever seen such a public display of if you don't want to be here, we don't want you mentality with an organization and that Cutter Gauthier trade. So Cutter Gauthier goes to the Anaheim Ducks for Jamie Drysdale and a 2025 second round pick. The story out of Philadelphia is that Cutter Gauthier did not want to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers and that there was even little communication with them and practically none at all from what Danny Breer seemed to say and what Keith Jones seemed to say. Um, Keith Jones said on the intermission report that um, if you don't want to be a Flyer, you will not be a Flyer. And Danny Breer said that he did what he had to do and that he tried to keep it under wraps as best as possible in order to protect the kid in case he wanted to change his mind and sign with Philadelphia and be a flyer. He said it would be difficult for him to put the jersey on in the instance that word had gotten out that he didn't have interest in being a Philadelphia flyer. But it seems that they tried to talk a little bit at the World Juniors and that it didn't really go anywhere. And that now he's an Anaheim Duck. So on the Anaheim side of things, quickly, you you give up a promising defenseman in Jamie Drysdale, uh, 21 years old, 2020 sixth overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. And he battled injury. He didn't play very many games last year. He's only played in about 10 so far this year. And... If you are the Anaheim Ducks, you're dealing from a position of strength. You have Pavel Minchukov, who stepped in and played some games 
this year, and he's played excellent. And you have Tristan Luno, who's played some games and was supposed to go play over with Cannon at the World Juniors before he got sick, I think. It, it was either a sickness or some other type of ailment, but that prevented him from playing at the World Juniors. Uh, they have Olin Zellweger also in AHL San Diego right now. So a lot of promising depth at the back end for the Ducks. So they felt that Jamie Drysdale was a piece that if you could bring in a player like Cutter Gauthier, a piece that they were willing to part with. And for the Flyers, that seemed like that was the piece that really made it so that the steal was going to happen. Uh, now, if you look into the future for the Anaheim Ducks, you have a, a potential forward core led by Leo Carlson, Cutter Gauthier, Trevor Zegras, Mason McTavish, and Troy Terry, which is quite a terrifying proposition for other teams around the league, if you ask me. Um, on the Philadelphia side of things, you recoup an asset that makes it not as tough of a blow that Cutter did not want to sign with the Flyers. From all accounts, it appeared that this Guy wanted to be a Philadelphia Flyer. He had the makeup of the identity that the Philadelphia Flyers are trying to embody now in their new direction and trying to take the the Flyer mold and mentality of old. So it, it it's a bit it's a bit shocking, right? If you're if you're Philadelphia, if you're a fan, we know how Philly sports fans are. So they're probably not going to take too much offense to this and. Honestly, probably really love Jamie Drysdale and treat him well there, I hope, in that city. So they, they're they going to embody that. The the fan base and the franchise will embody the same mentality as the franchise, where if you don't want to be here, we don't want you. Um, I, I saw the video of what Coach Torts said. Do you want to play the Torts yeah, video? Yeah, yeah, play it. This is part of Kevin's question. Uh, Danny said that Cutter didn't want to play here in Philadelphia and didn't want to play for your reaction to that? Then we don't want you. Uh, so Luke, you've met Cutter with OJ before. Were you surprised that he? I don't know Cutter from a hole in a wall. You know, so and I'm not too interested in talking about him. I'd rather talk about Jamie. He's the guy that's coming here. That's crazy. Yikes. Um, yeah, no, that that is crazy. I, we Raven and I were talking off air and about the possibility that. So Cutter, Gautier, and Lane Hudson were among the players that played at the the Worlds last summer for the United States. A uh, lot of NHL veterans on that team who may or may not have given Cutter Gautier the advice that maybe he didn't want his first National Hockey League coach to be John Tortorella. I don't know that that's true at all. Um, that's just hearsay that's going out there. There's also the he was a Pittsburgh Penguins fan when he was a kid thing that's been bandied about uh, I don't know how much weight that that holds once you become an adult right and you're drafted fifth overall into the National Hockey League by one of the more storied franchises you don't I, I don't think if you're a lifelong Leafs fan or a Montreal Canadiens fan and you get drafted by the other team that you are going to demand a trade right um, unless I'm wrong Raven would you demand a trade if I didn't want to play for a coach, I mean... Or if you off, didn't want to play for a franchise. Yeah, I mean, based off precedent, it's like... Like if you were drafted by the Cubs, let's say? Oh, God. Uh, or the Bears would probably or the be, Bears. That would be a better one. But, I mean, I feel like most most people that 
you know, have a childhood favorite team. You know, I know Rodgers wanted to play for San Francisco for a long, long time just because he is a California guy. But as a player, you always have to realize that sometimes you're not going to get the opportunity to play where exactly you want to. And I feel like if that does happen to you, you kind of have to deal with it for like a year or two until you can kind of prove yourself and ask for a trade. But in the sense for hockey and uh, cutter in this situation, it's a lot different because, you know, he just, you already are playing with people in the league at, you know, nationals and uh, IHA uh, juniors and like, so when you're talking to those guys and you're around the league and you're hearing things and you kind of just build up that, like, I'm not playing for these people type mentality, I, I don't blame him, but I don't think he should be able to have gotten the trade. I feel like that's just now is going to allow the player just... I mean, we'll see if this dynamic. sets a precedent in the NHL. It, I, I don't. I find that a little hard to believe that it will, only because hockey is not generally that kind of sport. We've seen it with the Eric Lindros trade before. Um, that was a bit different of a situation, obviously. Um, appears to be a little bit of the same, except Cutter. The only difference between Lindros and Cutter is that Cutter seemed to at one point have wanted to have been a flyer and shown to have been really excited about being a flyer. So I think with that, I, I think we can rule out that it was because of a, a team. I, I, I don't know that uh, many adults that are at the stage of realizing an NHL dream, especially when you're that high of a pick, um, I don't know that you're going to quibble over which team you go to. I know that there was some banding about of Connor Bedard, you know, getting a not a, not a preferred destination, right? The the lottery balls fell where they did, but that the NHL. I'm not trying to go NHL conspiracy here on your Raven, but that they were going to put him in the right destination. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it, it it's. It's an interesting situation. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I don't know that Connor Bedard would have requested a trade had the Arizona Coyotes or the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Anaheim Ducks won the first overall selection last year. I believe that Connor Bedard would have gone and played and done his best and had a smile on his face and done just as much media for the Arizona Coyotes as he is doing now for the, the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, that said... This could set a precedent going forward in the future, especially with the amount of kids now that play college hockey. Um, the the numbers have always been catching up. USA at hockey is on the rise. We talked about that a little bit yesterday with the World Junior Gold. But college hockey is now producing more and more NHL players. You look at a college hockey roster like Denver and Minnesota and Boston College and Boston University – and a lot of these schools, it's not just the first-round pick talent and the, the kids that might go first overall, looking at you, Macklin Celebrini, but it's the, the second-rounders and the third-rounders and the fourth-rounders and so on that those guys even are upping the level and the ante of college hockey. 
And with college hockey, if you play four years, regardless of how high of a pick you are, you could be the first overall pick, you could be the last overall pick, or you could not be picked at all. And if you play four full years of college hockey, you are an NHL free agent at the end of it. So that is always on the table for somebody that may not necessarily want to sign with the team they are drafted by. You are always free to use that as a potential bargaining chip for yourself. And that might have been something that Cutter wanted to say. Now, I think he would have had to stay in college another two years in order for him to be a a free agent by the NHL standards. Um, And I don't really think he necessarily wanted to stay in college hockey another two years. Some might argue he could play in the NHL right now today. Um, So it... It's a bit. We'll see. We'll see where this goes in the future. I am. I am interested to see how this affects the rest of the league and how we see hockey players determine if they can where they start their careers even nowadays. Because I guess that's that's part of the 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 hullabaloo. I guess or the the upsetness at at a lot of this is right is the fact that this kid has not played a game. On NHL ice yet. I think it's also more the fact of, you know, you showed interest, you go overseas, and then now you're just not wanting to play anymore. Like, that, I understand it, but at the same time, it's like, I imagine this has happened in the past, and everyone's just like, oh, you got to deal with it. Like, Like, I don't know if it's just because of the last 20 years and how... I don't want to say like player entitlement, but how these guys view themselves and are trying to negotiate and, you know, it's their career at the end of the day. And if they're going to do what they want, you know, so I don't know how we can be mad, but at the same time, it's like you have to be understanding at this, like at the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So We'll, we'll put a pin in that. We'll see how that goes. Cutter might sign with the Anaheim Ducks. We might get a look at him in a Anaheim Ducks uniform towards the end of the season after his season with the Boston College Eagles ends, whenever that may be. I know the Eagles are hoping for a national championship run this year with uh, that line of Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, Gabe, Gabe Perot, uh, among others. So we will we will see when he becomes an Anaheim Duck and not to be lost in all this either is Jamie Drysdale who is an incredible player himself six overall pick in 2020 like i mentioned and he has struggled with injuries but Philadelphia has needed elite defense for a long time Travis Sanheim seems to have finally be bringing that on a consistent night in and night out basis um I personally believe he still needs to show a bit more of that consistency. Not, not a knock on the guy, but he uh, just that would provide the Flyers with much more stability and security, and knowing that their defense is safe on a night in and night out basis. So, bringing in Jamie Drysdale is a big coup for this team. Um, if he develops on the trajectory that everybody expected when he was picked and even shows the promise that he has in the NHL and develops like he uh, projects, the Flyers have a really good player on their hands. And not to be uh, forgotten about is that extra second-round pick in 2025 that you could package with another pick. 
move move your way up. You could uh, bundle or trade for a player. So good trade for the Flyers. Jamie Drysdale is going to look good in orange, in my opinion. And we'll see what what Cutter does uh, with the Anaheim Ducks whenever he chooses to sign. Um, also around the NHL last night, uh, Colorado beats Boston 4-3 in a shootout. Val Nichushkin with the shootout winner for the Bruins. And I won't lie, I, I did not catch a lot of this game but from the game from the amount of games of it that I caught it was a very speedy matchup it was Colorado kind of carrying play for a lot of it um I do think that Colorado is frustrated a little bit by their play and so putting together stretches of good hockey was important for them last night and they were able to do that and walk away with the two points I still think they're searching for a little bit more of a return to the identity closer to the team that they had in their cup run in 2022. I do think that there is also a bit of a come to realization that has happened lately with the avalanche where you have to have an understanding after you win a championship that that was a certain collection of special people and that when you lose players over a year and over two years now removed that we are from a Colorado Avalanche championship, that the group changes, it's a different set of players, and that that might require some time and some adjustments. And they might need to bring in another second-line center to alleviate the the pressure off Ryan Johansson right now and some of the other guys they brought in. Uh, Jonathan Drouin has played a lot better lately. Um, uh, it's definitely been noticeable. A lot of the depths, depth additions that they've brought on uh, have been really good. So um, it's, it's going to be important for the Avalanche to stick to the process because they have really good talent. They know how to play the game. The, the group on the team that won the Stanley Cup in 22 knows how they are going to need to get the job done if the pieces they have are going to be the pieces that put them in a position to get there will be seen. Sam Malinsky looks like a good player. I might throw that out there. Nice wrist shot from the point last night. Um, but uh, the the goaltending is something in Colorado that might be a bit of a question mark. I, I don't not I don't necessarily think that uh, they are looking for someone to supplant Alexander Georgiev, but I do think that internally his performance leaves a bit more to be desired than maybe even some of the surface numbers might show. I think he leads the the NHL in wins right now. Could you look up Raven who leads the NHL in wins right now? Of course. Um but I think some of the other underlying numbers with Georgiev have been a bit concerning. And so uh Ivan Prosvitov is the backup there. They they signed him from Arizona, and I think he's been okay in some spot starts, but I don't know that he is necessarily going to be their long-term solution in the net, uh, even even in the backup role. I might be wrong now. He might put up a 925 save percentage now, but I definitely think that they could be sniffing around for something that might be available in the goaltending market if there is something available. There are quite a few teams that are carrying three goaltenders right now. 
around the league. We've talked about that a little bit. Montreal Canadiens, Detroit Red Wings. Um, and the NHL has proven to be a league that you need three goaltenders right now. So um, look for Colorado to do something. On the Boston side of things, it's really nice to see John Beecher keep getting goals for the team. And same for Brad Marchand, but it's a little bit different for a guy like Beecher who has not put nearly as many goals into the back of NHL nets as Brad Marchand has. But John Beecher is a first-round pick. He he uh, He's from Elmira, New York, so we uh, appreciate that. He was a Big Ten All-Freshman in 2020. Um and he was the 30th overall pick by Boston, and his development was not a straight line, as most players' development is, isn't. And um, he's just really been a solid guy. Boston's going to be an organization that finds these players where they they draft well. I know he was picked 30th overall, but even still, you uh, you have to work with these people. They're, they're people. They're not just hockey players. They're people. So... When you get a guy like John Beecher who has had his ups and downs in his development, having a sound organizational structure like the Boston Bruins have allow for a player like that to step into the lineup and be able to produce, be a contributing member of the team. Um, Matt Pacha is also back with the team after going to the World Juniors and playing for Team Canada. Um the Bruins have chosen for right this bit of time to not send him back to the Ontario Hockey League for the remainder of the season. Uh, I, I personally believe that they'll keep him up. He looked pretty solid last night. He had a few uh, a few giveaways, but other than that, it was one of the better games I had seen Pacha play in a while. Um, so, And I think that was good for him after a World Junior Tournament that he might have wanted to do a little bit better at. Um, but you have to be able to park that and get back to the NHL and show that you deserve to stick. And I think, I think he's done that. So, um, bravo to Matt Patra and, uh, the Bruins do pick up a point in a shootout loss last night. So, uh, the other game in the NHL last night was the Vancouver Canucks doubling up the New York Rangers six to three. It, um, was an interesting game. The Rangers scored first, and you kind of thought that it was going to be a bit of a a tough night for Vancouver. And then they score three goals right in the rest of the first period. I mean, the the first one came early, and then the the next two came within three minutes after the fact. But um, JT Miller and Niels Hoaglander score, and Brock Besser gets one right at the end of the period with 16 seconds left to make it 3-1. to one. And Artemi Panarin has that beautiful, beautiful shot to make it a 3-2 game in the second period. But Vancouver ended up pulling away from it. And the game got away from New York very quickly. Alexi Lafreniere smashing his stick on the empty netter. At the end, I only bring that up because he had a very good game himself. Uh, that that great pass to Panarin for that great shot for the second period, and just an overall uh, good energy to him. He also had the assist on the Vincent Trocheck goal in the third period. So um, it's nice to see Alexi Lafreniere playing well. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks keep on rolling. They battle uh, the Winnipeg Jets to not only be the top team in Canada right now, but also the top team in the NHL. Raven, did we figure out who leads the NHL and wins? Yes, right now it is based off win percentage. 
Uh, it's going to be Winnipeg Jets, 26-9. Oh, I meant goalies, oh, brother. Oh, goalies? I meant, I meant goalies. Of, like, all time? That would be Martin Brodeur. No, I I, yes. I, I mean just right now. Right now? In the league, this uh, season. Let me check that. But there's a fun fact. Uh, Mark Andrew Fleury needs one more game to become second on the list. He's currently tied with Patrick Roy at 551 wins. He, yeah. So he, he is one win away from Patrick Roy, and um, that will... Uh, be an interesting situation. A lot of Mark Andre Fleury, we know, means a lot to a lot of people. Um, he is kind of the bookend of an era of a certain vintage of goaltender that we are not really seeing so much anymore. The early two thousands, sort of breaking the mold, but showing creativity type of goaltending that really captured a lot of fans for uh a long time and it it's gonna be sad when Marc Andre Fleury leaves. He he was a big part of those Penguins teams, just the identity of what it was, you know, he, he, what they were with Sidney Crosby and Latang Le, and Malkin. Personally, uh growing up in South Florida, you uh, would be on the ice and you would go to your local rink and the young goaltenders would be wearing Marc-Andre Fleury, Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys. So um, I knew I knew quite a few people that would sport their Marc-Andre Fleury jerseys when, when we would be skating and when we would be practicing and just going out there and having fun and playing. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury is a really popular guy. He's a great teammate from, everybody, from everything that I've heard. Old guys, young guys. Uh, Brock Faber said he had a really nice interview where he was just talking about the impact that someone like that had. Uh, Brock Faber was one years old when uh, Marc-Andre Fleury began his NHL career, and now they are teammates, and Brock Faber is a really good hockey player. So um, shows how long that Marc-Andre Fleury has been doing this and being a part of the league and contributing a lot to the the growth of the league and the image of the league. Marc-Andre has never shied away from a camera in his life. He um, has just been an all-around great ambassador for the sport of hockey. So... Um, Everybody's been talking like this is his last season, too. I personally want to see him go one more, and I think he can, and I think he might. I think he might. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. What do we got? So, this is where it kind of gets difficult just because there is no real, like, percentage of wins. It's just it's just uh, it's game games. wins. I was just it, it's just wins. It's so. just wins. So, the uh, Alexander Georgiev with yeah. Colorado has 22 wins, 9 losses. And then next you have uh, Jose Soros and Sergei Bobrovsky. Those are the top three right now. Sergei Bobrovsky. Who would have thought that, that would have been the best name you would have pronounced on that list? I won't I, lie. Just hockey, names, heard, hockey names are hard. We're getting Raven into it, the it sport. Is, it is very hard, but that's where I kind of get the, like, if it's a Florida team, I'm probably going to know it just because of the news and stuff that I listen to. I've heard Sergei Bobrovsky's name dropped a lot, so I've known how to say it. But yeah, if we continue down this list, I would probably get almost all of them wrong. <laughs> so normally I will I will take credit for all the mistakes on this show, but I, I will point out that, that so the NHL wins list right now. Alexander Georgiev has 22 wins, mm -hmm. according to the NHL. Connor Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko and Sergey Borovsky are tied, oh, tied for with 20. Tied with 20. And then you have Igor Shosturkin, UC Saros, and Stuart Skinner, all but 16. 
So that is the NHL wins leaderboard. That was part of a, a different point earlier where I was talking about the fact that um, Colorado wanted a little bit better. If you actually look at the top five of the NHL and wins, not to be that guy, but Alexander Georgiev has the lowest save percentage of the top five in wins. And by almost by, by a good 20, 30%. Uh, what is it? It's nine clicks. 895 to 904. That's for Igor. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at the Igor. rest of them. Yeah, no, the furthest distance one is Connor. The best uh, save percentage among goal, goalies in the top five is Connor Hellebuck with a 921. So uh, Alexander Georgiev's 895 is a bit off from that. Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll see what Colorado does there. So we have 10 games around the NHL tonight. Um, it. Should be a busy night of hockey. The fly, the Flyers are back in action. Uh, the Flyers are not back in action. I'm sorry. Um, the 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 Canucks are back in action. They will head to New York right after, not a far hike from Madison Square Garden, and they will take on the Islanders. Uh, we have the San Jose Sharks visiting the Leafs, hoping to avenge a four one loss in San Jose last week. The Leafs coming off a perfect three and zero sweep of their. Um, California road trip. We will see what they decide to do in the net themselves, whether they will go back to the veteran Martin Jones or they will start Dennis Hildeby. Um, we also have the Kings and the Lightning. That one should be a good one, everybody. Um, the Kraken facing the Sabres, two teams that really want that win. So those are an important two points for, for either of those clubs. We'll, we'll see how that one battles out. The Panthers visit the Blues. The Panthers are coming off of an 8-4 win in Colorado. Um, Alexander Barkov looked so good in that game, just so dominant and just dominating everybody. And it um, is no longer the case that Alexander Barkov is the most underrated player in the NHL. He is fully appreciated, I feel like, by the likes around the league. And uh, it, it's very nice to see someone that, like, like I mentioned with Jonathan Huberdeau yesterday, who had a good weekend with Calgary, um, it's nice to see these guys that you've been watching since they they were 18 and I was a bit younger and um, just be growing into the people that they are and um, really taking over games and situations like that and long stretches of play. So uh, that'll be a good one. Florida taking on St. Louis. Matthew Kachuk also going home. Uh, the other Kachuk brother will be taking on that Calgary Flames team. Uh, Brady and the Senators are in town to face Calgary. Uh, that is the late game tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. for us. Um, so uh, we got some other games. The Hawks The Hawks are playing the Oilers tonight. That's that's a good game. Raven, you want to go? The Oilers are in town. Connor McDavid's in town, man. The best, the best hockey player in the world. I have class. Oh, you do have <laughs> class. You do have class. I don't know what the tickets are like for that game. Honestly, I, I haven't really checked. I'll, I'll give it a quick peruse right now as I'm uh, going over the rest of the games. It appears like you can get into the okay. You can get into the you can get into the building tonight for about 30 bucks, which is that's not bad. No, not at all. If you are trying to go see a game and this is like uh, we're, we are talking no Connor Bedard here. Uh, Most of the lineup, too, is also injured. So. Pretty yeah, but if Black if Hawks if Bedard team. was in the lineup, there would have been a lot of Connor versus Connor talk tonight. Um, that would have been probably half of our show today, and it is not because Connor Bedard has a fractured jaw. 
Um, still no update on that either today, which has been interesting. You would have thought that the imaging that they were doing would have been run through by now and we would have been able to comb through it uh, as the general public is supposed to do with an 18-year-old's medical records. But um, we'll, so we'll see how the, the Hawks do. The Hawks obviously coming off of a 4-3 win over the Calgary Flames on Sunday. Um, and elsewhere around the league, we have the Blue Jackets visiting the Winnipeg Jets. We have the Bruins visiting the Coyotes coming off of that shootout loss to Colorado last night. And we have the Anaheim Ducks taking on the Nashville Predators. Um, that coming off sans Jamie Drysdale and awaiting Cutter Gauthier. Um, I think, I think that'll, that'll, that'll close the show for today. We are, uh, like I said, a little tight on time. We have a lot of recording being done in the studio. Raven is put in work. We also have, uh, Brendan that's going to be coming in and helping out. So, um, be on the lookout for all of our other shows. We, um, we have the deep fade. We have the Panos Mavridi show. We have on, on the gravel with, uh, Raven and Oliver and the F1, uh, crew. So, we appreciate everybody that's out there. We'll uh, be back tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, have a great day. Please like, rate, subscribe. Peace. And have a good one, everyone.